Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. So once again, we had some technical issues today and we couldn't actually interview Karen Abend um, together, could we, Tara? So um, this time you interviewed her and I was quite upset because there was a few questions I wanted to ask Karen outside of what she actually does. Um, One of them being what shampoo she uses because she's got amazing hair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so everyone will be quite disappointed they don't get to learn that. But it was quite a bit shorter than the usual podcast, obviously, because it was just me interviewing, <laughs> not you. And you don't waffle like I no, do. No, not quite so much. <laughs> so tell, us, anyway. tell our listeners a little bit about Karen and what she does. Yeah, so Karen Abend from KarenAbend.com is an artist and illustrator who licenses her work. You may know her from the free online event she created called Sketchbook Revival. This is where a group of art teachers share their ideas and inspiration for filling up your sketchbook. So how was it? How was the interview? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, she's got lots of sort of inspiring ideas and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I think while you were interviewing her, I did send you a couple of texts saying how lonely I was and that I had no one to talk to. So I was very jealous that you got to talk to her and I didn't. <laughs> well, you can do the next one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, here is the interview. So thank you ever so much for joining us anyway. Well, me, as it is, because Sandra couldn't, couldn't be on as well. So first of all, we'd just love to know where your creative journey began. Did you come from a creative background? Oh, sure. Yeah, I was definitely the creative one in my family growing up. They all wondered, you know, where I come from since nobody else <laughs> in my family claimed to have skills in art making. And as a kid, I just loved drawing and I received a lot of gifts growing up that kind of supported my interest, um, you know, pens and pastels and like how to books, all those kinds of things. And I actually still have quite a few of those. They're like really treasured items for me. Um, and then growing up, I don't think I stood out necessarily as like a particularly amazing artist, mainly as somebody who enjoyed being creative. And I did things like make birthday cards for my family or collages for my friends Um, I didn't really have a lot of art classes other than what was available at school. And then in high school, I got lucky and took a year-long art history class. It was a new offering that year. And I absolutely fell in love with that. And that would later lead me on the path that I I would take. So was the art history, did you actually get to do creative work as well as studying sort of the old, old history of the art? No, it was just like a classic, you know, survey of Western, well, of art, no, world art history, really. So we didn't actually do anything creative, but it just um, sparked my love of art in a different way, like understanding that I could also explore art in that way was just like the most exciting thing for me at that point in my life. And that's what kind of led me into art conservation later on. So did you actually take the traditional route and go to college to study that? Um, no, I did not. For me, being creative was just something that I did because it was fun, but I never considered art school really as a path. Um, so I went to a liberal arts 
college and ended up majoring in literature, which, you know, reading and writing were other interests of mine. And then I minored in art history, but I did take quite a few studio art classes because I wanted to, because I always enjoyed them. But for me, it wasn't like a career option at that point. (laughs) So um, you went to work in the field of art conservation. Can you tell us a bit about that and how you sort of transitioned into creating your own art? Sure. Yeah. I love sharing this story. Um, Art conservation was an unknown field to me until I started doing research in college about possible career choices based on my interest in art and art history. And the more I learned about the field, the more fascinated I was by the idea of conserving art. I already loved museums and the possibility of having a job in a museum was really appealing to me. And then, of course, having the technical skills to understand how art is made how it deteriorates, how to prevent it from deteriorating, how to restore it if necessary, you know, to be the person who was entrusted with physically handling the art and caring for it and preserving it for future generations. All those things of art conservation seem like super exciting, fascinating, and really like the most fun job in the whole world. And so I eventually decided to pursue it as a career and to be accepted to a graduate program for art conservation, I had to take more classes, more art history, more studio art, and even chemistry. Um, And so when I eventually did get accepted to graduate school for that, it was like one of the most gratifying moments of my life. Um, And I had a fabulous time being an art conservator, um, being a student and at Delaware at the Winterthur program there. It's an amazing place. I specialize in objects conservation. And I ended up working in New York City, which, um, you know, I absolutely love. So I loved every minute of that career. Um, But then an unexpected thing happened early on. I fell in love with an Italian archaeologist while I was working on an excavation one summer in Turkey. And eventually he would become my husband and would lure me away from New York, inviting me to come live in Rome. And being the adventurous type, it was pretty easy for me to say yes to that invitation And of course I was head over heels. So, you know, I just, I I always tended to follow my heart. (laughs) And so that's what pulled me away. And then moving to Italy really changed everything for me. You know, I was still able to work as a conservator initially um, in different ways and found interesting things to do. Um, We even moved back to the U.S. for a period. But then after our son was born, my husband had an opportunity to work at the University of Catania in his hometown in Sicily. And so we decided to make that move. Um, And so what I often tell people now is that moving to Sicily is the reason why I became an artist. (laughs) But really, um, it was a very gradual transition. I've been here for over 10 years now. Um, My creativity was sparked in a lot of different ways when I lived in Sicily. First, it was my son. You know, when he was little, I was really into getting him to finger paint and draw on all kinds of that process-oriented art that we did together. And then when he got a little bit bigger and was old enough to go to preschool, I discovered that the way kids were exposed to art there was really disheartening, like, you know, color inside the lines and don't get your hands dirty. So I felt like I had to compensate and I started an art group for my son and other moms and kids who met at the school. And then from there, I started making handmade gifts for my son and his friends for birthdays. I especially loved hand painting T-shirts And eventually I realized that my son was less and less interested in making art with me and that what I really wanted to do was pursue my own path as an artist. Um, At the same time around then, my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. And I remember I wasn't sure what kind of art I wanted to be pursuing just yet. There were so many things I was interested in. 
And I did feel somewhat intimidated by the blank page, not knowing where to start. And somebody had recommended I try intuitive painting. So that's where my own journey, I like to think of it, officially began. Um, you know, the intuitive approach was a great way to get started creating, following your own urges. And it was a helpful outlet to express my feelings during that difficult time of worry, you know, over my mom's health. And I have stacks and stacks of intuitive watercolor paintings from that time and also some larger canvases. Um, then my mom's illness unfortunately worsened and she passed away. And, and that's when my husband gave me a life-changing gift that would spark the creative path that I'm on now. And he gave me my very first smartphone, which, you know, was not an exciting present necessarily, but this phone had a screen and a little pen and an app for drawing. And he thought it would be fun for me to draw with it. And it might be a good distraction, you know, for my grief. So at first I was not all impressed with this present and was kind of resistant to digital drawing, but then I decided to give it a try and I quickly realized how fun it was to draw this way. And I became completely hooked on drawing and my phone became my portable sketchbook, you know, my new best friend really. So that's when my transition to being an artist really started to solidify. <laughs> so that was a very long answer <laughs> to that question. So do you, do you use your, do you have an iPad that you draw with now? How do yes, you draw I now? have upgraded from my phone. I used that phone for probably two years. I was so attached to it. I didn't want to let it go. And it was a really tiny screen that I would draw on, but you could, you know, zoom in and get into the details. So it really did create very high quality digital images, but I have upgraded to, I've had a, I have a walk home and I also have an iPad. So were you using that phone actually to create like professional work or was it just for your own sort of fun? Well, it was, it was for my own sort of fun. But then along the way, I started seeing what was possible. I didn't know anything about, you know, graphic arts or illustration. Um, so it was really just falling in love with that medium for drawing, using it more as like my sketchbook, but then realizing that I could do other things with it. So I started printing things out. Like I designed t-shirts. I started doing birthday cards, like the things that I always love to do. I just was doing digitally now. And the results did look, you know, it gives you a more refined look in a way um, when you get a handle of the digital medium. So I was getting great results with just my phone, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so you start with this intuitive stuff, but what subjects do you sort of like to draw now and why? Oh, yeah. So when I first started designing and illustrating, um, I found I was most inspired by a feeling of, you know, joy or happiness or beauty the things that I felt around me that inspired me. Um, so for example, I'm often inspired by the people that I love and I like to make things for them. I've already mentioned the cards and the t-shirts and things like that. So those were some of the first things that I also did in my phone. Um, and I also love to travel. So travel adventures, um, can also be one of the things that inspires my, um, creativity, you know, could be experiences that I've had in another country or even just a local adventure those kinds of things, really anything that gives me a positive vibe and captures my interest and imagination. Um, it might be ancient artifacts on display in a museum or the view from an airplane window or, um, how I'm feeling one day could spark something. Um, what else? It could even be my yoga teacher who says things in class that inspire me and can create like a visual in my mind that I want to create from that kind of thing. <laughs> So, so how would you describe your style and how has it changed over time? Well, I do find it hard to describe my own style. I don't know about you, but it's something <laughs> that I find tricky to do. Um, 
But since you're asking, you know, of course, the words that come to mind for me are colorful, uplifting, whimsical, playful, uh, naive, and graphic. <laughs> yeah, they're, think, they're really nice and colorful, aren't they, your work as well? Yeah, I love color. I do love color. It really makes me happy, and it's just so fun to play with. You know, I feel like my style is definitely still evolving, um, and that's kind of one of the things that excites me the most about my own journey is like seeing my style unfold. It's like, I feel like I'm living that day by day. And that now that I've been at it long enough, even though I still consider myself kind of like a young artist, I feel like I can already start to see an evolution in my own style. And I think it's been fueled by the intention to grow my skills as an illustrator and designer at this point, you know, and I've been doing this through portfolio building classes and personal projects that um, encouraged by the belief that the more time I spend making art, the more I'll learn, grow and evolve. And so um, that's really what's been fueling my style development. I think recently is that desire to be a more skilled illustrator and designer. So have you taken any classes? Yeah, I have. I've taken lots of classes. Well, I guess not lots, but a handful. I've taken classes with Lilla Rogers, um, Make Art That Sells, oh, yeah. to learn about um, commercial, the commercial art market, really, and what, what options are out there. So it's not so much of a techniques um, course that she offers. It's more, you know, how to build a portfolio that is marketable and the kinds of things that you should be creating if you're interested in doing that kind of work. Yeah. So that's a so, big so- one. What's your process for creating art and, um, you know, how do you go from that idea to the finished piece? Yeah, well, the ideas can come from different places. If I'm doing more of an illustration, the idea will come from the text and will involve, you know, reading and thinking, imagining, maybe some research, gathering of references, um, and a lot of really rough sketching until I come up with something I want to pursue. If it's more related to doing a greeting card design, then I tend to need an occasion to inspire me. And I usually create the card with someone I know and love in mind. And sometimes I'll get random ideas, though, that are not inspired by anyone in particular. So I guess it depends. I'm always on the lookout for new ideas, and they can just show up on their own. Maybe I'll want to develop something from my sketchbook into a finished piece, or maybe someone will ask me to collaborate on a project, and so I'll channel that inspiration into a project. But once I have my idea, the process is pretty similar. I start with rough sketching and then move on to more careful drawing, which can then get scanned into my tablet. As I said, it's either a Wacom, but nowadays it's more likely my iPad. And from there, I decide on a color palette I want to use. I like to collect color inspiration too, so I might use one of my photos for coming up with a palette, or I might have a specific mood I want to capture and we'll choose colors that reflect that. And then I add the color to my drawings, very similar to other forms of painting, really, when you do it digitally. I just start by blocking in the colors and adding texture, definition, and details in layers. And the fun thing about digital art, though, is that there's lots of room for play and experimenting. So I might move things around and make adjustments in the composition until everything feels just right and I'm happy with the piece. So, so what apps are you using? Because um, obviously, if you're doing, do you do vector vector art, or is it? I don't. I do not know how to use Adobe Illustrator. I've managed to get around <laughs> that absolutely completely. Um, be, although I have taken a class, and I did have, I do have basic basic skills, but I because there's so many apps nowadays that are so user friendly, it hasn't been necessary for me to learn anything more um, professional. But I do use Photoshop and. I mainly use, now I mainly use Procreate for my digital art. 
Oh, yes. Fantastic app, isn't it? It can do so much, that app. I love it so much. Before that, I used Sketchbook Pro, um, which was great too. But Procreate is much more like actually drawing or painting, you know, the feeling of it. Yeah, I wondered if you use any, because the Adobe have got apps on the iPad now as well that do vector art that are free. Oh, I really? Oh, that's tried. news yeah. to me. I have to check that out. Thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> that might be helpful for certain things, especially if I want to blow things up. That's really the main thing. At, at this point, I haven't needed to make anything big. Um, I'm really just using high resolution images, like 300 DPI from yeah. the start, you know, and if you do that and make it as big as you can or the size that you think you're going to use, then there's really no issues with resolution. I was going to ask you as well, but you were saying that you sketch out your ideas and then you scan it in. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I have to sketch out those ideas on paper. I can't seem to yet get to sketching those mm. ideas out digitally. What about you? Yeah, at this point, I'd have to agree with you on that, actually. Um, I definitely prefer sketching out with pencil by hand. I do sometimes just dive right in and start drawing if it's um, kind of like a doodly thing. You know, yeah. I, I can just like launch right in on the iPad and start creating something without having a sketch ahead of time. So it kind of depends on what I'm doing, but um, I generally like to do the idea part on hand, by hand on paper. Exactly. Yeah. So you licensed some of your art. Can you tell us a bit about how that works and how you got into that really? Sure. Yeah. So as I've mentioned before, I took some um, online classes to help me get information about how to get into licensing. That was one of the main takeaways I got from Lilla's classes. And what I've discovered is that it involves, you know, researching companies that feel in alignment with your own style or that you'd like to work with, and then submitting samples of your work to the art director of that company. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, Last year, I decided to focus on the greeting card industry because designing cars, as I've said, is something I enjoy doing and it felt very natural and easy for me to tackle that first. So um, yeah, it's really as simple as researching the markets that license art. This is what I did for the cards. You know, I decided that, you know, I want to do the greeting cards and then I would um, just send out my submissions to them based on the information on their websites, just following their guidelines. If you find them on their website, if they, um, they mention if they license art or not. And so they tell you exactly what you need to do. And it can take some time, you know, to get a yes and find the right companies for you. But there are so many out there and such a wide variety of styles. That's what I've been learning that there really is room for everyone, which is such a great mindset. I think when you're trying to get into commercial art, um, that not comparing your style to anybody else's and really staying true to your own style and just trusting that eventually you'll find the right ones, you know, for you. So I was lucky that I did find someone that loved my work. And so I've been licensing my art to this green card company for the past year or so. And it's been a really fun collaboration and relationship building experience. And then of course, to see my designs get turned into these beautiful, um, their hand silkscreen prints that this company produces. And they're really beautiful. And they have this gorgeous color matte quality to them that I love. And um, it's been really gratifying and a really encouraging for me to feel like, okay, I can do this. Because as you know, I'm, you know, just kind of, this is the new career for me. And I'm still finding my way in it as I move forward. So um, yeah, so that's what I have about licensing. <laughs> so, so when you find this company that likes your work, do they ask you, say, okay, we, we really like that. We want you to do 20 of that sort of feel or how does it work? 
Well, with this company, that's not how it's worked. Um, I don't know how it works with other companies. I, based on what I've read about other artists, I think that can happen sometimes. But with this company, they, the way they work is they really just let you do whatever you want. It's complete freedom and you design your own things and you send them in. And if they like them, they'll license them. Or maybe they're not exactly what they need right now because they have different deadlines throughout the year. So you have, um, they've given me a list of their deadlines and which types of cards they're looking for at different times of year. So I kind of know, oh, I should be making these kinds of cards right now if I want to submit something new. So it's really up to you, at least with this company, what, um, how you want to do, do with it. I've yet to branch out to other companies. You know, I've been, that's something on my list of things to do, but for right now I'm happy with this one and I'm keeping yeah. it simple. <laughs> so what do they, they pay you a percentage on every card yes. they sell or do they, yes. Yes. They send you a quarterly report of the sales and then you get a check with that based on how your cards did. They've been giving me feedback on how my cards are doing. So I'm getting a sense of what sells better than others, which is kind of great to learn too for me. Um, knowing which types of styles are more popular than others is interesting information for me to get can help me as I move forward with this. Yeah, fantastic. So your website says that you're currently illustrating a book. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yes. This is my personal passion project. Kind of my big challenge for myself. I've been collaborating with my dear friend, yoga teacher and life coach, uh, Tina Mundelsi, for years now. I'm a regular at her yoga studio here in, in, in Catania. And the way she teaches yoga is like no other. She interweaves ancient yogi teachings and life coaching into the practice for like, it becomes like a truly holistic workout of the body, mind, and spirit. So often when I'm in Tina's presence doing a yoga practice, I can get images and inspiration coming to me for my art. And previously, we had designed a line of T-shirts together for her studio. And then a few years ago, with my interest in growing my skills as an illustrator, I was looking for a new project. And during one particularly visual yoga session, I felt super inspired to try and illustrate it and create a little illustrated book. After I started, though, I realized that it might be better to get Tina involved. So I asked her if she was interested in writing the book. And it turns out one of her dreams had been to write a book. <laughs> so, oh, perfect. Yeah, we've been working on this for a few years now, fitting the project in between our other work. And right now, Tina's working on her second draft. I'm about 85% of the way through the illustrations, and we're aiming to finish this fall. I really hope we do. I've learned so much about what it takes to illustrate an entire book and how to stay engaged in a big project like this. Um, yeah, how to work with the author to make my illustrations stronger. It's really my way of learning by doing. And I've grown a lot with my efficiency and comfort level with the subject as well over the months that I've been working on this project. And plus, I just love Tina's message and believe that with this book, we can help and inspire many to live happier, more peaceful lives, uh, which is why I'm really determined to get this project finished this year. <laughs> So what are you going to do, self-publish or are you looking for a publisher? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to self-publish is what we've decided to do. It just feels like the more, um, I don't know, it gives us more options really is what we're yeah. looking for. And so that, I think that's what we're going to do. And we've gotten some advice with some people who work in that industry and, and kind of weighing out the pros and cons for us of those two options. And it seems like the self-publishing is really the one that feels more in alignment with us right now. 
Yeah, we've heard how good that is from people we've talked to. Have you? Know. you? Oh, cool. Yeah, how much how much more control and and even if you go with a publisher, I think you've still got to do a lot of marketing yourself anyway, haven't you? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you're the host of Sketchbook Revival, a free workshop with different tutors sharing sketchbook ideas and techniques. So how and why did you come up with this idea? Well, there's a bit of a story behind this one as well. (laughs) I'm a member of a productive creativity coaching group. And the creator of this group, Amber Quelemani Bonici, she offers training on how to organize an online event as part of her program. And organizing an event was really never my intention when I joined her program. But in January of 2018, um, an idea came to me and one I felt so passionate about, I couldn't ignore it. And that idea was sketchbook revival. So daily practice was a thing I had struggled with myself. And it was a thing that I was craving. The thing I had tried and failed to keep up consistently, consistently many, many times You know, yes, I was making art, building my portfolio, but I had been unable to successfully incorporate a daily practice just for me in my creative life. I had seen other artists I admired doing it, and I had heard how these practices created magic in their own journeys. And I was so curious to know more, to hear from these artists, you know, what worked for them, what their practices offered them, how they approached their sketchbooks. I was hoping that if I was interested in learning from artists about this topic, that there must be other creatives out there interested too. And so I gathered my courage, came out of my shell and trusted my dream and gave it a shot. You know, I started researching artists online who might be in alignment with my vision. And I was amazed to see how many amazing artists there were out there teaching on similar subjects. And I was really interested in diversity and variety of approaches to a sketchbook practice. So that was always, you know, my thing, like how different can uh, we get in, in gathering these artists together? You know, I'm not normally very active online, honestly, and I had purposely been keeping my focus on my own work so as not to get distracted or overwhelmed by all the creating offerings out there. But putting together Sketchbook Revival gave me permission to scour the internet in a way I never normally did. And I started reaching out sharing my vision and asking artists to collaborate with me on this project. It was definitely the hardest and the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Like I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert, you know? (laughs) And so putting myself out there like that was, took a lot of um, pushing uh, of myself to do that. Plus it's a ton of work to put together this kind of event. Um, So I really learned and grew about how to be a leader really. So when I started on the project, I had no idea that such a large, enthusiastic and wonderful community of creatives interested in the topic would gather together and enjoy and benefit and be inspired by the event. In 2018, over 15,000 joined that first year. And the feedback I received from the community and the speakers was so incredibly encouraging. I received messages of gratitude from so many kind people who shared their stories with me, some of which literally moved me to tears. People told me how transformative the experience was for them, how they started practices or moved through blocks, finally, after many, many years, or through grief or depression because of the workshop. You know, who knew any of that was possible? I really did not. Um, But it has forever changed me and it's been the most motivating and inspiring experience for my own creative journey as well. And so I had to put together a second workshop (laughs) this year. I wasn't sure if I would the first time around, but based on all the amazingness that had happened during 2018, I decided I I really had to. And the second one ended, um, it ended just this June at the beginning of June. And we had 
over 20,000 signing up this time. And it was an equally fabulous experience. And, you know, I'm learning to be a better planner and organizer. And I'm really hoping I'll have the energy and focus to put together another one next year. But, you know, we'll see how things go. (laughs) (laughs) That must take so much organizing to bring all those people together. It really does. You really have to plan months in ahead. And there's just so many little steps to learn and if you're not savvy with technology, a lot of those steps were new, especially the first year. You know, then the second year, things did feel easier because I'd done it before. But figuring out all the technology of how to do the recordings and then how to do the website, you know, feels like a lot for somebody who's never done it before. And doing it all at once, you know, it's kind of like it's really overwhelming, um, as well as just having an email list and knowing how to handle that. So um, have starting a newsletter. You know, there's so many steps that were involved and, um, each one allowed me to grow a little bit more. And it's really thanks to my community of my own creative group that I was able to do this. And so I'm just forever grateful for Amber, for her support and help. So the artists that you reached out to, had you never made contact with most of them before? Most of them? No, a couple of them I knew from classes that I had taken, um, So there were like a handful, you know, we all have our favorites, you know, that we kind of follow. So I had my favorites that I had from years earlier. And so I had that core group to reach out to. But other than that, everyone was completely new. Like, I didn't even know that sketchbook school existed. You know, I really was not doing many things online, like I said, other than just my own few little things that um, because you only have bandwidth for so many, you know, and I get easily overwhelmed. So I just really was very selective about what I was choosing to see online, but doing this, um, yeah, I met so many new artists and was able kind of for the first time to present myself as an artist and be like, you know, this is what I'm doing and this is my work and you want to join me. And so that was a really, um, yeah, an amazing experience as well, just to meet these people and then also have some coincidences like, it turned out that Danny Gregory knew one of my teachers from Catania in Sicily, which was such a shock. Like there's like this one man who's an illustrator here, who's really talented where I live. And I taken a couple of classes with him and they were, he and Danny were like friends and had collaborated in the past. So that was incredible to discover like these fun, (laughs) you know, these overlaps who knew. Strange. So what's your own sketchbook practice like and how often do you create? Well, since Sketchbook Revival, I've pretty much been creating in my sketchbook every day. I got so many amazing ideas from the workshop, and somehow all those ideas came together to help me find a way to start and a formula that works for me for keeping it up. And I mostly use little sketchbooks that I make myself. I don't use particularly fancy materials, and I keep it really simple. I like to create challenges for myself, so I make up themes or a series. And they have to feel easy and fun. So I feel like I can spend, you know, just 15 minutes a day or maximum 30 minutes a day on the practice. I've done quite a few of these by now. And each time I complete a series, I learn so much. Um, For me, the practice was first about creating a habit. And then it was about stretching and growing my skills in more specific ways. Um, Always keeping in mind that it had to feel fun. So I wanted to keep showing up for it and wouldn't feel like pressure to produce anything any masterpieces or anything like that. Keep it really playful. Um, So for example, I love using colored markers and use them for the entire year following sketchbook arrival in my sketchbook. Uh, Recently, I took a break from the markers and have been using collage, which I also love. And it's been a really nice change for me. Although I have to say I am missing my markers very much. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you use? Copics? I actually use Tombos. Ah, right. Yeah. But I want to try Copics too. I know that those give beautiful effects. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't really used Copics, but I've used kind of, you probably haven't heard of Ohuhu, the cheaper kind of ones, but only use them now and again, but they are fun, aren't they? Oh yeah. I just love them. They really kind of bring out my inner child for me personally. I don't know about you, but they're just so playful and I, I even just love the sound of the pen and the paper, like all these little things about them just always bring me joy and kind of make me want to keep showing up to my sketchbook. Have you, have you tried the watercolor ones? Yes. Tombos are watercolor ones, but I oh, rarely right. activate them with watercolor. Honestly, with my method, I just really use them for the color. They're so vibrant that Tombos, if you get the whole set, it's kind of an yeah. investment, but there's so many gorgeous colors. And I really love that brush tip. Even if you're not using it like for painting, it's, um, it kind of allows you to have different, you know, marks and things, which is nice. So how do you feel about creating digitally versus creating by hand? Well, yeah, as I've already shared, I'm a huge fan of creating digitally and I love what's possible with this medium. And that's how I got started. It's really my go-to way to create. But I also recognize how wonderful it is to use traditional media, which is one of the reasons why I was craving a sketchbook practice, I think. And now I'm loving having one as well. I think it really helps to balance out my creative life, having some screen-free creative time using pencils and pens and paint and paper and scissors and glue, whatever I feel like using. My drawing skills have improved a lot this year thanks to my sketchbook practice. And I feel that having both in my life make me a more versatile artist. And the sketchbook is really conducive also to developing ideas that might feed into my other art making projects. I'm really seeing how these two things go hand in hand and how having a place for creative exploration by hand can also bring me a lot of joy and happiness, make me feel more balanced and complete. Like there's this concrete thing that I've made, you know, each day. Plus, I love having the sketchbooks to fill up and look back on for ideas um, as other evidence for my growth, um, other than just like that JPEG file, you know, that has to be printed yeah. out. Do you ever draw like things that you can see in front of you or is it more stuff out of your imagination? I do both. I do both. I do my, my latest, um, the last series I did in my sketchbook using the markers was all inspired by where I live, you know, Sicily. So it was really finding um, treasures of inspiration at where I lived. And it could be anything. So yeah, it was <clears throat> anything from an object, like, you know, these cool baskets that I, you find here or fishing boats or Mount Etna, the volcano, or the types of plants that grow here, the food that you eat. Um, any of those things that I really like or love that inspire me could be a subject for that series. And that was really fun. I did another series that was really the first one I did um, right out of the first sketchbook arrival that was inspired by an art therapist who, or she's an expressive artist really, who was one of the speakers who I already knew and loved that Shelly Clammer. And she had taught a technique that was called like a heart check-in. And the way she did it was very different than what I eventually did, but that was more like imaginative, I guess you could say. So I was doing like a heart, a heart a day. And I would check into how I was feeling and use that feeling to give me an idea of, of a heart to illustrate. So I was really making these little heart characters based on my heart check-in. That was what I, so that was more, yeah, using my imagination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give someone who wants to start a sketchbook practice? Oh yeah. So I love this because I feel like I've learned so much from sketchbook arrival. <laughs> I love sharing. 
Um, so definitely, you know, making a goal for yourself that feels good is a great way to start and starting small, starting easy, so easy that, you know, you cannot fail whatever it is you set out to do and make sure it's fun. That could be the subject you choose, the style you create in the materials you use. Like for me, it's the markers for sure. That's part of the fun. Um, so that you want to keep showing up for it. So you don't feel pressured by your practice. Your goal at the beginning can be just to create something every day. You know, don't put an emphasis on the results. It's about the consistency, really. It's about how many pages you fill up. It's about the magic of a practice that you can tap into if you give yourself that gift of daily creativity. And you can also join a creative group like Sketchbook Revival for ideas and support community, which can be very motivating for some people to feel like you're not alone on the journey. Um, but only if you can train yourself not to compare your work with anyone else's. You know, we're at all different points in our journeys and have to be proud of where we're at, whether it's be the very, very beginning or 20 years in. You know, we each have something unique to offer and creating is a gift available to all of us, no matter our experience or level. We just have to start somewhere to get going and not worry about making masterpieces at the beginning. <laughs> so do you when you do your own sketches do you set yourself a minimum time like I, i'm definitely gonna spend 15 minutes i do i have i give myself a framework you know so i definitely give myself a minimum amount of time like and the way that i do that i'm not really good at using timers i've never done that but i make sure my pages are really small so i know okay my page is tiny so it's not going to take me more than 10 minutes to fill up this page. I'm very, I like filling up the whole page. Like I color in the background. That's just my way of doing it. So it's like, for me, it's like filling up the page is the goal. And I know if it's tiny, I can do that in a short period of time. So that's sort of my personal meter, but you know, other people do use time limits. And I think that's a great way to start. It can even just be five minutes. You know, I've done that for myself too, um, just five minutes. And that's one of the, the lessons that was on this last sketchbook revival from one of the way to coach. And that was his advice, you know, just five minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, I absolutely love five minute drawings. They're, yeah. they're one of my favorite things. Yeah. And then often, right, you do five minutes and then you end up doing more than that. Your, your intention is okay, five minutes, but then before you know it, you've been doing it for a half an hour. Does that ever happen for you? Yeah, but, but I am, I do like the old timer. So I will set a timer five minutes to do a five minute sketch. Awesome. But then no doubt I'll do two more. <laughs> oh, nice. Love yeah. that. Cool. So have you ever experienced artist block? And if so, how did you overcome it? Well, honestly, you know, nothing major comes to mind when I think about blocks. You know, since the day I claimed my dream of being an artist, I really haven't stopped creating in some way or another because it's really the thing that keeps me going and has helped me through like my own difficult moments. And so it's really my way to feel happy um, in life. So for that reason, I don't think um, blocks are going to be my problem. It's really like more finding balance in my life, not doing too much of it, you know, having, <laughs> oh yeah, I have a family, I have a son, I, ha I can't just create art all day is really more of my problem. But having said that, I do experience forms of resistance regularly. So those are like mini blocks, I think, you know, resistance is another kind of symptom of a block really. And it's sometimes just hard to get started is what I find. So I tend to kind of procrastinate, like I do things like make tea or walk around the house a few times, you know, before I sit down and start creating. That's really kind of my way of procrastinating. And then I've also found if I have a rhythm going with a project or a practice and then I interrupt it for some reason, 
um, because I'm get busy with something else or I'm feeling overwhelmed that it can get really hard to get back into that project again. And it's, that's really a tough one for me. Like if I'm flowing and I interrupt it and trying to get back in the flow is really tough. And so that's one of the reasons why I try to never interrupt my practice, even if it's just five minutes a day, you know, at least you're putting that pen to the paper or whatever you're using and doing something to not, um, interrupt. Like that's me personally, but you know, the, yeah. the belief for me really is that tomorrow is always a new day. So not to beat yourself up if you don't create every day. And that's not for everyone either. That's just my thing you know, that I, that I aim to, um, achieve. I also can get distracted by all like new projects, um, I want to work on. And sometimes that can create a kinds of resistance for me. I don't know if you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like, oh yes, totally know. Yeah, the shiny, like, shiny thing. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> sticking with one thing and following through to the end. Um, like what my coach calls the shiny object syndrome. Yeah, I think all creatives have this. So that is another form of resistance that I just know is something that can happen for me. So being aware of that and finding ways to follow through to the end. Like if I stay committed, like with my yoga book project, that's a great example, how to maintain that consistency over, you know, it's now we're in our second year, you know? So those are the kinds of resistances that I deal with um, on a daily, regular basis, I guess you could say. Yeah, I always find it. Yeah, always find the first resistance you talk about really strange. That thing where you, you put off started it, it's so weird. I don't know why we do that because I'm just like you. I'll put off starting, but once I've started, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. It's just that it's just that first point, isn't it? Yeah. There's something about, you know, switching our brains, I think, into creative action mode because it's like we do all of our thinking, 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 and then, oh, okay, now I have to do it. So yeah. I think it's also that feeling, because um, I have researched that a little bit, you know, it's also that feeling of like, it's going to be hard. You know, we have a belief that it's going to be hard. Even if we don't, it's not necessarily going to be hard. There's this inner story. Oh, this is going to be hard. So, oh, it's hard to start, you know. But the way that I deal with that, I don't know about you, but I like to um, turn on something to listen to, like a podcast or an audio book or even music. And I find that really helps me if I'm having that kind of resistance, you know, turning something on so my little critical mind is engaged. And then I can just, you know, kind of tune in and start doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to have it on a list, I think, for me. Because uh, yeah. you can obviously listen to pod- I can't listen to I can listen to podcasts doing some things, but not others. I have to have music. Mm. It depends what the type of creativity is. Yeah, I agree. I it does depend. Yeah, the other thing that helps me is um yeah, lists help me too. Also having a support group really helps, like an accountability group. Um yeah. that's sort of what my creative community does for me. And what I try to offer people with the Sketchbook Revival Facebook group, and I know people have told me that it does give them accountability, like saying, I'm going to do this. And so that kind of can push you through things. Um, so, and then, yeah, doing that one tiny thing, even if you're resisting, just starting with something, you know, one tiny step, one tiny step, one tiny step, <laughs> then they add up. And before you know it, you're flowing. Which artists have inspired you? Oh my goodness. That's a hard one too. <laughs> so many, so many. And it's hard just to name a few, but, um, it's kind of fun to be um, asked this question because it's made me think. So for my sketchbook practice, I have a special list of artists that have inspired me from the sketchbook arrival speakers. Um, definitely some of them from the 2018 workshop really stand out for me personally. Like, you know, all you, you get all this input and then the magic happens for yourself and you start creating something and you're like, where did this come from? And so I can trace back my, my sketchbook practice from that first year to a couple of artists, um, 
Shelly Clammer is one, and she's the one who taught that heart check-in technique I mentioned. Oh, yeah. That really sparked my heart project. And then um, Kyla Givehand, she was a speaker as well that year, and she did a session on making handmade sketchbooks, which is something that's really become part of my own practice that I love. Like something about making them yourself is very inspiring and motivating. And also you can choose the materials you use, you know, like I just use printer paper sometimes now I'm sort of upgrading to more fancy paper, but you know, you can make it really work for you and, and, and also the sizes and things. Um, also Anne Luke, she was a speaker and she's a, a graphic designer and illustrator and a painter. And she does, she uses colored markers in her sketchbook. And I realized much later, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely sure that's where the idea came from. Even though I didn't realize it, it came from her session. I'm, I'm pretty sure it did the idea of using markers in my sketchbook, which is what I did for the entire year. And then of course, Kosha Kune and Danny Gregory, who just had so many tips for how to start a practice and like challenge yourself and all this kind of thing, like giving yourself little games and things that that's something that I do in my practice now, creating little series and challenges for myself that really helps me. And so I definitely want to um, thank those artists for helping me get started with my own practice. And then for my design and illustration work, I've been influenced by some of the artists I've taken classes with. I've mentioned Lila Rogers already. Um, and Lisa Congdon is another one I've taken classes with who's, she's really, helped me learn about surface pattern design, for example. And, and I'm just a huge fan of her art, but I try not to look too much because I don't want to copy her because I, I love her so much. That's how much I love her work. And then yeah. there are all the artists that I admire, um, you know, and there's so many, but I can, I thought it'd be fun to share the inspiration books that I have on my night table these days of, of, from different artists, just to give you a, a glimpse of, of yeah. things that inspire me. Um, I have Marjane Satrapi, the author, author of Persepolis. I love her style um, of illustrative graphic novelist, you know, um, his Sing Ping. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but she's a, a children's book illustrator who I love. Shel Silverstein, uh, Leo Leonini. These are both children's book illustrators that I have their books and I share with my son as well. And I just love them so much. And I still look at they're there because we like to read them still, me and my son. Um, Louise Nevelson, I went to an exhibit of hers last year and I love her story. She just, I love these women artists who, um, were kind of, um, yeah, they were groundbreaking, you know, artists. And that was when I read her story, it's so inspiring. I love her work. Um, Chika Miyata, she's a Japanese illustrator who has like a how-to book that is just so sweet. These really scribbly illustrations that I love, um, Wu-Ran Han, that's a new one for me. I was in France over spring break and found this awesome um, travel journal with these very um, kind of abstract travel watercolor paintings filling this journal of the Mont Saint-Michel area where we were. And I just love this artist style. She has a whole series of travel sketchbooks that I discovered based on this one book. And so I'm just um, enamored by her style. Linda Berry is an American cartoonist who has really cool books and I love her work. Um, oh, I have one of hers. You have yeah. one of hers? Yeah, I can't remember which, which one it is, but I have one of them. Yeah, she teaches at a university, I found out. So she has, um, and she has a whole system for creating like a journal or a sketchbook that's fascinating. I don't know if that's the one that you have, but it, she takes you through the steps of how to do, you know, her process. And it's really about like what you see and what you do each day and then doing a drawing. And it's very unique and interesting. Um, I think that's it. 
Um, that's on my list right now. So <laughs> that's, that's enough. plenty of inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Great. So what are your hopes and plans for the future? Well, you know, I'm not much of a planner, a header type, <laughs> but really the main thing is just to keep going with, you know, letting things unfold and keep following my heart and my dreams. Um, really staying committed to my artist's journey of personal, personal growth and discovery. Yeah. Finish my book project. That's a big one. Get it published. Oh, yeah. Um, do more book things related in the future. I think I'm really loving this project and I can see myself wanting to do more in the future. Of course, continue with sketchbook revival. You know, I feel like creative practice is is a topic I'll never get bored of. And I think, um, it's something so universal I've discovered. We all, so many people can relate to this topic. And so that community has become such a special part of my life and I really want to continue to nurture it and grow it. And then finding new ways to make a positive impact is sort of like uh, definitely some things that come up for me again and again. So I know that that's something that I'll want to look into someday, like, you know, how to create art for causes that I believe in that kind of stuff really um, speaks to me. And maybe like a 365 day project is in the future for me someday. I don't know when, but that feels like a really (laughs) cool challenge to tackle And I'd also love to organize an art exhibit someday inspired by my 100 Hearts project. Um, So those are some of the ideas of things that I hope to do in the future. But, you know, who knows? (laughs) You mentioned doing more books and I know you said you um, like some children's illustrator. Have you ever thought about doing a children's one? Oh, yeah, I have. You know, I've taken a Lilla's class for children's book illustration, which I loved and learned so much. But um, and Nina Rycroft is one of my speakers on Sketchbook Revival, who's a children's book illustrator who teaches on Skillshare. I haven't, I've yet to take any of Nina's classes though. So I feel like I have a lot to learn about character development, which is an area that definitely keeps popping up for me that I don't have a lot of experience in. So that's what I took away from Lilith's class. Like it's something I need to develop more if I want to get serious about that or maybe not, you know, I am this do by learning kind of person. So, um, I feel like who knows, maybe I'll just get an idea and give it a shot and see how that yeah. goes. So it's, but I love children's books, illustrations. I, and I think that would be so fun to do someday in the future, but who knows, you know, if that's for me, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find out more about you? Sure. Yeah. My website is definitely the best spot, you know, karenobbin.com. You can sign up for my newsletter uh, right there on the website. There's a link to the Sketchbook Revival workshop page. And there, if you sign up for the workshop, you sign up for my newsletter. You know, the workshop is over now, but I do offer some of the videos. There's like a group of videos that you can get still access to. So you, if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get access to those videos and, um, and you'll get like a little, little bits of inspiration for me maximum twice a month, um, is really what I do. And of course there's Instagram at Karen Aubend is my Instagram and, um, oh yeah, the sketchbook arrival Facebook group. I'm the administrator of that group. And that's a great place to seek out if you're looking for community support and inspiration for a daily practice. So what happens in the Facebook group? Is it just people share their work or? Exactly. It's really just, you know, anything goes, um, people share their daily creativity and it's, it, it got started with the first sketchbook revival workshop where people were sharing their creativity inspired by the workshop. And then people asked, Oh, can we keep this going? This is such a nice welcoming community. It's so encouraging. It's really helping me. And so I said, of course. So we kept it going and people, 
you know, it really has its own rhythm. You know, there's people who are like the hardcore people who have been there the whole time and there's new people come all the time. It's really um, a great place just to see art of all types. You know, it can give you ideas of like what's possible in a practice. Um, and it's really fun to have a place to be accountable as well. You can say like, oh, my goal right now is this. And you just share it every day. So having a place where people can understand what you're doing. Because I, th- I find, you know, my family loves me so much. My friends love me. But people don't really get this daily creativity thing who aren't into it, you know. So it's so cool to have a community that gets it, you know, and feel like, okay, there's other people out there like me into this thing. So, um, I mean, maybe you get that too. I know that's part of what you guys do as well, but yeah, I mean, I love, I love the idea as well. Probably how yours is that people aren't highly critical. So it's, it's a place to share your work, but unless your artist asking for criticism, you're just doing it to share your work. Yeah. It's sense. really a place to be witnessed. You know, it's not yeah. about, um, unless you, people do ask sometimes and they, they yeah. do, and then they do get, you know, responses back, which is so cool because you learn stuff that way too. So if you want feedback, you can sometimes, you know, it's such a big group. I'm not able to be active in there all the time, depending on what I've got going on. Like I have my own course this month, so I'm in that group. So I'm not really in sketchbook revival very regularly right now, but I pop in there all the time. And when I'm in there, I'm trying to, you know, make comment on as many posts as I can, because I really want people to feel like they're being seen, you know, because sometimes with the, the algorithms, I know Facebook, certain posts get like, you know, tons of likes, others get one. And so I feel bad. I don't want want people to feel discouraged. Like, Oh, nobody cares about my work or nobody's seeing my work. And so that's one of the pitfalls I think of Facebook. But so I really want people to know that, you know, it's not about the number of likes that they get and that if they keep posting every day and they, and if they devote a little bit of time to commenting on other people's posts a day, then they'll start forming connections themselves. And then they'll, they'll, they'll start feeling like they have friends there, which is what happens. So that's really cool. You know, I've seen that happen for lots of people. So yeah, Facebook's a little tricky, but overall the intent is really positive and encouraging for people. That's great. So thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk this morning. It's been lovely talking to you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I am so honored that you invited me to participate in your podcast. And it's just been a delight to speak with you too. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes.